Chapter Six of the Homesteader. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Homesteader by Oscar Michaud. Epoch the Third. More of the Preacher's Work. Jean Baptiste was thoughtful for a long time after the other had left him. He had heard before he married Orlean that the Reverend was the father of two illegitimate children, but from Speed's story he had met the whole of it. Not only was he the father of two illegitimate children, but he had taken another man's wife to become so and all this while he was one of the most influential men in the church this fact however did not cause baptiste any wonderment it was something he had become accustomed to it seemed that the church contained so many of the same kind from reports until it was a common expectation that a preacher was permitted to do the very worst things things that nobody else would have the conscience to do he arose presently and going to the bar ordered another bottle of beer he looked around the large room while he drank at the usual class who frequented the place he knew that here and there among them were crooks thieves conmen gunmen and gamblers many of these men had perhaps even committed murder and that for money yet there was not one he was positive that would deliberately separate a man and his wife for spite and that was the crime this preacher father-in-law of his had committed always in the mind of this man of the prairie this played it followed him everywhere it slept with him arose with him and retired with him and all through long sleepless nights it flitted about in his dreams like an eternal spectre it gave him no peace gradually it had brought him to a feeling that the only justifiable action would be to follow the beast to his lair and kill him upon sight often this occurred to him and at such times he allowed his mind to recall murder cases of various phases and wondered if such a feeling as he was experiencing was the kind men had before committing murder then if so what a relief it must be to the mind to kill he had a vision of this arch hypocrite writhing at his feet with death in his sinful eyes and his tongue protruding from his mouth he drank the beer and then ordered liquor somehow he wanted to still the mania that was growing within him he had struggled for happiness in the world for success and contentment and he did not wish his mind to dwell on the subject of murder but he was glad that this man had left the city a man that might be able to accept a great deal of rebuke and endure much 
but sometimes the sight of one who has wronged him might cause him for a moment to forget all his good intentions and manly resolutions yet he was glad that reverend mccarthy had left the city and he shuddered a little when he recalled with a grimace that he had travelled these many miles to see and reckon with his wife well you are here he heard then and turned to greet glavis oh hello glavis he returned with a tired expression about his eyes from the effect of the strain under which he had been laboring have a drink an old-time cocktail glavis said to the bartender he then turned to baptiste well how's everything over home said baptiste coming directly to the point your wife's sick said glavis a little awkwardly and i her husband cannot call and see her i'm compelled to hear it from others and say nothing he paused and the expression on his face was unpleasant to behold glavis saw it and looked away he could not make any answer and then he heard the other again this is certainly the limit i married that girl in good faith and i'll bet that she has not told you or anybody else that i mistreated her but here we are compelled to be apart and by whom his face was still unpleasant and glavis only mumbled that damn preacher oh baptiste cried glavis frowningly yes i know i understand your situation glavis but you must appreciate what it is to be thrown into a mess like this to have your home and happiness sacrificed to somebody's vanity i'm compelled to stand for all this for the simple crime of not lauding the old man all because i didn't tickle his vanity and become the hypocrite he is for should i have said what he wanted me to say then i would have surely lied and i hate a liar but come baptiste argued glavis we want to figure out some way that you and your wife can get together without all this now let's have another drink and sit down well all right said the other disconsolately i feel as if it would do me good to get drunk tonight and kill somebody no no glavis he added quickly i'm not going to kill anybody so you needn't think i am planning anything like that i'm too busy to go to jail now i'm willing to help you in any way i can baptiste began glavis as long as i can keep my wife out of it i've got the darndest woman you ever saw but she's my wife and you know a man must try to live with the one he's married to and that's why i am willing to help you they discussed plans at some length and finally decided to settle matters on the morrow but when the morrow came ethel blocked all the plans she refused to be sent away across town and let baptiste come into the house and see his wife she knew what that would mean so she stood entrenched 
like the Rock of Gibraltar. Other plans were resorted to, but with the same result. The days passed, and Baptiste became obsessed with worry. He knew he should be back in the West and to his work. He began to lose patience with his wife for being so weak. If he could only see her, he was certain that they would come to some agreement. Sunday came and went, and still he saw her not. Ethel took confidence. She smiled at the success with which she had blocked all efforts of communication. Baptiste wrote his wife notes, but these she intercepted and learned his plans. She convinced her sister that she was sick and should be under the care of a physician. This reached Baptiste, and he secured one, a brilliant young man who was making a reputation. He had known him while the other was attending the Northwestern Medical College and admired him, but this too was blocked, for when he knocked at the door with the doctor at his side, they were forbade admittance. Thereupon Baptiste was embarrassed and greatly humiliated at the same time. Ethel had a good laugh over it when they had left and cried, He had his nerve anyhow, walking up here with a nigger doctor. The idea! I wish Papa had been home. He'd have fixed him proper. Papa has never had one of those in his house. Indeed not. No nigger doctor has ever attended any of us and never will as long as Papa has anything to do with it. Glavis finally succeeded in getting a hearing. But pleading and begging, he finally secured Ethel's consent to allow him to bring Baptiste to the house and sit near his wife for just thirty minutes, but no more. He did not apprise Baptiste of this fact, nor of the time limit, but caught him by the arm and led him to the house as though he was a privileged character. He took notice of the clock when he entered, because he knew that Ethel, who was upstairs, had done so, and he was very careful during the time to keep his eyes upon the clock. He knew that Ethel would appear at the expiration of thirty minutes and start her disagreeableness. So at the end of the time, he quietly led Baptiste away after he had been allowed only to look at his wife, who was like a sphinx from the careful dressing down she had had before and preparatory to his coming. So, having carried out what he considered a bit of diplomacy, Glavis was relieved. Baptiste could expect no more of him, and so it ended. Ethel wrote her father a cheerful letter that stated that Hard-headed rascal had been there from the west, but that Orlean had declined to see him but once, and had refused to go back at all, whereupon her father smiled satisfactorily. Jean Baptiste returned to the west, defeated and downcast. He had, for the first time in his life, failed in an undertaking. He had never known such before. He could not understand, but he was defeated, 
that was for sure. Perhaps it was because he was not trained to engage in that particular kind of combat. He had been accustomed to dealing with men in the open, and was not prepared to counter the cunning and finesse of his newly acquired adversaries. Over him it cast a gloom, it cast a great dark shadows, and in the days that followed the real Jean Baptiste died and another came to live in his place and that one was a hollow-cheeked, unhappy, nervous, apprehensive creature. He regarded life and all that went with it dubiously. He looked into the elements above him and said that the world had reached a time whence it would change. The air would change, the earth would become hot, and rain would not fall, and that drought would cover all the land and the settlers would suffer, and so feeling, it did so become, and in the following chapter our story will deal with the elements, and with how the world did change, and how drought came, and what followed. End of chapter 6, Epoch the Third, More of the Preacher's Work Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.